0: Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by MergerMarket and and c Intralinks. This special episode is in partnership with Morrison & Forster. I'm Juliana Needham, a journalist who's covered M&A for a decade. I'm joined by Dirk Besser, the managing partner for Morrison & Forster in Germany, to talk about some of the trends in shareholder activism that he's seeing. Hi Dirk, thanks for joining me today.
1: Hello, Juliana.
0: So to begin with, from your experience, how has shareholder activism evolved in Europe in recent years?
1: Yeah, shareholder activism has been an area of ever increasing attention um, in Europe over the past years. However, of course, the COVID pandemic in 2020 has been a major interruption. Um, While in the beginning of 2020, we still have seen a rising number of campaigns the second and the third quarter, um, all campaigns basically substantially dropped uh, to a very low level. However, you know, responses by companies to the pandemic uh, have also constituted um, a reason for activist campaign in 2020. And one example that illustrates this quite well has been Commerzbank in in Germany, actually a Classical private equity firm Cerberus they launched a campaign in in June um, and they criticised the German's bank governance um, strategy and performance um, especially in reply to the challenges of the pandemic and Cerberus requested two board seats um, um, a classic um, activist instrument uh, to get heard and implement their their ideas and. Uh, While this request was rejected, uh, which is uh, often the case in Germany, you you may know that there is a two-tier board system in Germany where they distinguish between the management board and the supervisory board. And the supervisory board also often um, holds uh, representative from employees and unions. So breaking in there is um, a very complicated and not so easy topic in Germany. However, at the end of the day, the the campaign was uh, successful. While um, the vote um, for the uh, two representative was rejected, the CEO, um, as well as the chairman, um, had to leave the company uh, several months later.
0: And ESG seems to be one of the main drivers of activism. Obviously, ESG is one of the biggest corporate trends we've seen in, in recent years, if not the biggest corporate trend. What are you seeing in, in terms of activism related to ESG.
1: Well, um, that is absolutely true. Um, ESG has been uh, the most notable trend uh, over the last year. And this obviously results from the rising awareness on our environmental, social and governance related issues by the investors. And um, they uh, start integrating ESG criteria in their investment strategy and, um, that that becomes then a mandatory goal also for the companies they are investing in. I think one of the most prominent examples is is BlackRock. They have published, in I think it was in 2020, um, their investment and stewardship report. BlackRock had um, identified more than 200 companies that in their view are making insufficient progress in integrating climate risk into their business models or into their disclosures. And Those companies are now on the watch, and that means that BlackRock and other investors following them might take voting actions against the management in the coming years if progress should not be sufficient in their view. And the list of those companies in Europe is actually quite prominent. It starts with French company Air Liquide, but also Swedish Volvo and German Daimler, Lufthansa and Heidelberg Cement. So. this is a, a a real shift that that you see not only from from BlackRock. There are other very prominent investors as well. Another one might be the Children's Investment Fund um, TCI, that has introduced a, a say on climate a global campaign, and um, that that is you know very vocal in in the different jurisdictions in Europe, and that will continue to rise.
0: And do you think that? is reflective of the the line between passive and active investment becoming in, they're increasingly moving closer
1: yeah, that that's an interesting observation, uh, because uh Investors like BlackRock in the past, they have been more traditional and passive investors. And um, what we especially see with regard to ESG goals is that those investors, they become more active. Uh, So every passive traditional investor now can uh, at any point turn into an activist. Uh, investor and support um, campaigns that relate to an increase in awareness for ESG goals. Um, And you see that on, on, say on pay, uh, but uh, especially on environmental related matters.
0: Yeah, and interesting with the comparison between BlackRock and the Children's Investment Fund, because one's obviously one of the biggest asset managers in the world and the other one is much more, a much smaller dynamic uh, hedge fund. So we've looked at ESG. What are the other main trends driving activism in Europe?
1: Well, of course, um, M&A is uh, traditionally um, the area where the um, activists um, are most attached to and that uh, remains um, as a trend and we see continuing um, M&A-related campaigns. And there, uh, of course, the consequences of uh, the COVID pandemic might um, open an an area of interest for those kind uh, of activists because many business models uh, might have proven not being sufficiently solid uh, against the crisis or um, not recovering as, uh, as fast as um, other competitors do. And uh, th- that uh, will uh, trigger M and A situations. And as you know, certain European jurisdictions um, uh, being led probably by Germany, um, they allow investors, um, you know, making use of minority protection rights and uh, therefore uh, blocking or taking a say on, um, uh, MODA transactions and that will continue to, to rise. Another area where, um, we would expect to see, um, activist attention are the growing number of specs, you know, those, uh, listed vehicles, mostly from the US that then merge with existing businesses and, um, by that, um, take those businesses indirectly public. And um, at the time of the listing of the spec, you usually would not have any topics to deal with in terms of governance or ESG, but then the business that becomes incorporated and gets public, that might have, you know, certain activists attracting topics in their business model and that may put the overall transaction at risk. So those topics remain on the agenda and will increase also in Europe.
0: And how do these trends compare to other regions?
1: I would say that Europe has a history of distrust towards activists. In in the US, for a long time, it has been recognised that um, there is a positive impact by um, activist investors because um, they help um, in you know, um, identifying overvaluations and um, they help uh, in the creation of value that was very differently, uh, very different uh, traditionally in Europe, where there was a negative perception of shareholder activism. And um, that is more related to corporate culture, for example, in in Germany, where uh, you have uh, a very traditional understanding of uh, things being set and organized in the background, or interpretation of uh, national protection of jewels, like in France, where um, uh, an act attack or a campaign against a company that is state-supported or family-owned that uh, is badly looked upon by the public opinion.
0: Obviously, the US has, has led the trend for shareholder activism. What lessons is Europe's advisory community learning from other regions, mainly from the US?
1: The sentiment that I just described, uh, so this um, bad reputation that um, shareholder activism traditionally had in Europe, that is gonna gonna change over time. And w- one example that illustrates that quite well was um, the scandal about Wirecard um, in in Germany, where y- you had short selling attacks on that company and its shares in the upfront running to this uh, to the scandal and even uh, German regulators intervening and banning short-selling for a certain time period. And this now, of course, uh, becomes uh, clear and evident uh, that this was all a mistake and that uh, short-sellers and um, activist shareholders had uh, were right yeah, in uh, disclosing here and demasking fraud uh, and overvaluation. So the benefits of shareholder activism become more clear now.
0: And what kind of activism themes or trends are we going to see in the future in Europe? I'm guessing that ESG will will be something that will be running for some time.
1: Yeah, that is true. Uh, I would believe that um, ESG-related topics will will be the driver for um, activism uh, in Europe over the next years. What I could expect is that um, the reports or the goals of companies on their uh, strategy tackling climate-related issues, that those um, will be put forward to shareholders' vote. And um, there, one example uh, that, is, that was happening this year is Nestlé's um, AGM. They have been urged by a Swiss pension funds and um, activists to put forward their climate strategy to an advisory vote. And I would expect this to become a permanent practice, not only for Nestle, but also for other companies and European regulator might follow. And uh, as we have seen last year with the votes on the um, compensation system for the management board, we would also soon see um, the climate strategy to be subject to an advisory vote of the shareholders.
0: So do you think we'll be seeing a lot more activism going into the future?
1: Yes, I think um, there will be a steady rise in in activism campaign um, in Europe, and um, it, it might end up at a level that is comparable to what um, is you know all, all already the reality in the United States.
0: Great, Dirk. Thanks very much. Thank you. That was Dirk Bessé, Managing Partner for Morrison & Forster in Germany. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast, presented by MergerMarket and SS&C Intralinks. This special episode is in partnership with Morrison & Forster. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your MergerMarket news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.